0: So welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls. Today, we're going to talk about the past, present, and future. No, it's not our famous Marty video (laughs) that that went viral on Facebook. But first, (laughs) Matt's got some fluff. Fluff, baby! We got some new patrons this week. Uh, Jill Freeman, Malosh Yogovic, and Nate's mom, Renee Henry. Dude, you just laid it on with Matt's mom the whole time. Got my mom to get in. Your mom got you know in. I mean?
1: She's even pay- she's even backing us more than my mom, which is, you know, now it's the war of the moms. Um,
0: yeah. I have an evil idea. Now we can just say, hey, my rich uncle supported the podcast, Matt. What about your rich <laughs> yeah. uncle? I mean, what what is <laughs> what is support if
1: it's not first and foremost from your mom? So it's great to have your mom on board here, uh, Nate. Yeah. And we're... I realize we're reading every patron at this point. We're still relatively new. I know the five dollars a month is supposed to be the we'll we'll read you on on the podcast. We'll read your name on the podcast. But we're doing it for even the one dollars a month because we're starting because up.
0: Because these names are so hard to pronounce, it's fun <laughs> to it's try fun. to read them.
1: And we're we <laughs> actually really are super thankful for for any amount you pledge to give to us. Uh, yes. monthly. We put out a weekly podcast. It's all free. If you enjoy it, please. Uh, consider going to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash don't feed the trolls. And um, we've got some exclusive content up there. We've got some bonus episodes that are just for patrons. So uh, if you want to back us, please join our team and get some goodies and we'll read your name poorly on the podcast so thank you
0: hi I'm Matt and I'm Nate and we want to welcome you to Don't Feed the Trolls a podcast where we discuss trending topics art and culture through
1: the lens of our experiences touring the world and creating art vocationally we
0: hope to bring topics out of the minefield of the comments
1: sections and into the sphere of reasonable dialogue thank you for listening
0: Um, researchers of the World Health Organization, the WHO, WHO, WHO. I don't know, (laughs) and Harvard Medical School studied 14 countries and found that the U.S. has the highest rate of depression. Did you read this already? I did not read this already. The highest rate of depression and anxiety at 9.6%. That's... Wow.
1: One in 10 people in the U.S. has some form of depression and anxiety. So, and it's sort of the American way, right? Like yeah uh physically we live in the present but psychologically even spiritually we can be stuck in the future and the past like america wasn't built on people going hey i arrived on manhattan island let's farm forever i mean the, the whole american dream is about taking something and planning and making it better and bigger and better and bigger and we've experienced a lot of incredible scientific advancements industrial adva- advancements medical advancements because of this mentality but yeah. it's also there's a dark side to it which is we have as a society stopped being able to be present or in, the, in, in that if you don't choose to be present like we're talking about it takes 15 seconds for a positive thought to really take hold and and plant roots So if you don't choose that and focus on that, then you will find yourself either stuck in the past. Let's just describe what we're talking about here. Past, present, and future. Let's talk about future living. Now, if the posture for your life is living uh, in in the context of future, it's often marked by anxiety or worry, stress... Which is Nate before we started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to get so things stressed. trying to get things done. And I was
0: just trying to prepare for the for you know, like an actor would prepare right. for the role. Right. I was so just you're, getting a little stressed. You
1: were thinking about the future and how you weren't those expectations weren't being met. Uh and then scarcity, which is kind of the, the whole posture of there's never enough time, there's never enough stuff, there's never enough money. Um, there's just not hmm. enough it's scarce, you know? And that's when you're living constantly thinking about the future, you're anxious. You worry, you're stressed. There's never enough time. There's never enough money. There's never enough resources. That's no way to live. But that's often how I live, Nate. It's often how you live. I mean, we both have this struggle, and that's why we want to talk about it.
0: But people would say, you know, like, okay, so I know this. I know I know I shouldn't be stressed. I know I shouldn't think that, you know, things are scarce. I know I shouldn't be anxious. You know, you wake up the next day and it's all like, it's like a reset. It's over right. again. You it's, feel it all again.
1: Yeah, no, totally true. I mean, that's a really good point. Let's talk about past living. Do you want to talk about past living for a second?
0: Past living is often marked by depression, regret, shame, crippling nostalgia.
1: Right. Longing for another time when life was better. You're not really living now. You're thinking about something that happened. And it could be like with regret or shame. It could be like trauma. It could be some... Uh, just regret for things you've done but that's all past yeah. living you're 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 focusing all on stuff that can't be changed
0: it's almost like that movie 112263 like right. we can go back in the past and we can just change these things right uh i, I don't know if you've seen that show yeah, but it is so good yeah i've seen the so show on
1: hulu yeah it's this uh stephen king and jj abrams but
0: sure. it's almost like you can go back and like manipulate these things and then what's what's interesting is that even if you could would you like the outcome right you know
1: right number one, you can't change the past. You cannot predict the future. These are just two things that are realistic. And so the only sort of transcendent space to live in, the only thing that's guaranteed is the now, right now, the present. And mean, we find this with people who we look up to a lot, they have this amazing ability to be where they are, to accept what is. And I think their lives are often marked by calming peace. Like, they don't have to be anywhere or do anything. And we we talked
0: about about some of this on the tech episode, which is a bonus episode. You're on your phone. You're constantly just drifting off. You're never really available. You're
1: somewhere else. You're not present. You're not, yeah, you're not practicing presence. I
0: think our society is facing the present problem more than ever because of some tech addiction. Right. You know, we're just constantly somewhere else. Right.
1: Gratitude. Present, Present living is marked by gratitude. So... Instead of scarcity when you're yeah. future living and there's never enough, present living is marked by uh, abundance, which is there is enough.
0: So how do you experience gratitude? Do you stop and take a breath? Like, what do you yeah. What do, you do?
1: I would say for me, it's kind of emptying my mind, which is kind of mindfulness practice. If you can download apps on your phone that help you do this. Closing your eyes so your senses are not distracting you. In a quiet place and just thinking, At that point when you're relaxed, thinking, you know, here's a few things I'm thankful for. And it can be very simple. I mean, gratitude is such a Mm. simple practice. Because you can just simply go, I have a roof over my head. I have shoes on my feet. What if I didn't have shoes? That'd be cold. I have a person and people who love and care for me. Like you talked about every day, your, your brain reboots, it resets. And so you yeah. have to make a commitment to be present because, you know, for thousands of years, people have said this that are way wiser. I'm scratching the surface of this, I think, practice. But if you start your morning with gratitude, even if it's writing down five things you're grateful for, that allows you to approach your day from a posture of abundance as opposed to not enough. You go, I have everything I need and therefore I can actually give to people.
0: Yeah, my, my sister recently had a stroke and, and in a way, she's had to wake up and think about life like this. Right. Like, what are five things I want to accomplish today? I want to walk better. I want to remember things more clearly. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's a very specific gratitude of, oh man, I walked a little bit better today, Right. you know? And so we're going to bring my sister on to talk about these experiences because uh, she's an artist, she's an author, she's been creating for the last eight years, and suddenly she has this stroke, and she doesn't know what the future looks like, and maybe for a while she didn't know if the past existed, and she was just right there in the present, we'll bring her on, talk about it. Hi, everybody. Hi, Brenda. Um, Hi, Matt. Matt. So Matt and I were talking a couple days ago about doing an episode on the past, present, and future. We got to talking about what that would look like and how oftentimes your trolls can uh, kind of be inflamed when you think about the past. And you kind of focus on what happened in your life instead of moving forward. Then I talked to my sister like a day later, and I was thinking to myself, Brenda, you've had just the craziest four months of just about anybody I know. Um do you want to fill in people kind of like what the last 4 months of your life have been like?
2: Well, um on December 1st I had a stroke and it was because well I I had a aneurysm that was coiled and in my recovery I I had a stroke. And so when I woke up my right side wasn't working. My mother was talking and annoying the hell out of me and <laughs> But I couldn't tell her, you know, I wanted her to read my mind. I couldn't tell her that she was keeping me from sleeping, which is something that I didn't realize – that when you have a brain injury, you are you need to sleep so that your brain will rebuild or whatever. Right. And so it was kind of crazy. They wanted me to get into this chair, and I didn't want to get into the chair. <laughs> I wanted to lay in the bed and not do anything. But they found out if I could say 50 and Papa, then I would recover fully.
1: Why those I'm, words specifically?
2: I'm not sure. Two it,
1: syllables together maybe? Two or?
2: syllables maybe because I... And it was funny because I wasn't performing for the nurses, but I would perform for the doctor. Hmm. I remember he just came in and said, "You had a stroke," and and my husband and my mom were like, uh, "You know, yeah." They they Goodness. just didn't want to tell me, and I had done the surgery, so I wouldn't have a stroke, which is ironic. Yeah, but yeah, it's brought our family together. I've seen God's hand in all of it. Even I mean, I wouldn't have given myself a stroke, but. It definitely uh, brought my community together to support me
0: and yeah.
2: one of my author friends Christy, did a GoFundMe and people donated over seven thousand oh, dollars. Wow
0: yeah, yeah. And, and for those who don't know, my sisters, you've been an author for the last eight years? Yeah, and you've written how many books?
2: Uh, 12, thirteen I don't I don't I've lost Palific. count. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and this is like your main bread and butter and this is why I wanted to bring you on the show because so often we focus on the the past or the future. And it keeps us from being present. And nothing like to put you in the present, like not knowing how to walk, not knowing how to talk, trying to formulate sentences. How so. did
1: you like? How long did it take you to to get motor skills back and language
2: back? In the scheme of stroke, mine was pretty fast. Okay, but yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I I didn't say a whole lot. I I, I could I couldn't really move my hand, and then I started to be able to move my hand, and then. I went to rehab for a month, actually. In December, I got out December 22nd. And in rehab, they they had therapists that would come in and, and work with me. So I had three hours a day of therapy. For a month? Yeah. I had the weekend somewhat off, but yeah, for for 21 days.
1: I mean, we just take our brains for granted. Yeah. That they're going to yeah. do what we think they should do. And <laughs> when they don't, what? What an imposition on your life, you know, like yeah. a whole month of rehabbing and reteaching and retraining your brain. Yeah. What did that? What did that do to kind of your plans for December?
2: It put a big, huge stop sign. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm still not back to writing. It, you know, and it's been like four months later.
0: Do you feel the creativity is still there?
2: I do. And one of the therapists is like, I think you just need someone to nudge you and tell you you need to go. And so I just do it, just do it. But you know, <laughs> I, when I, before I had my stroke, I was working on my most recent book, you know, I just wished for time to sit around and binge watch some of my favorite shows, you know, cause I, that, that's kind of my reward. I just focus on my book and when it's done, I get to do everything else for a little bit and then I get to start over. Right. It's like running a marathon.
0: So the future is still kind of up in the air. You're not necessarily sure if you're gonna write the same, or do you think I, about that? Or are you just trying to just get through today, basically? Still,
2: I'm still just trying to get through today. I mean, my therapist came yesterday to, and she just said, "You are glowing." She's like, "You just hmm. like, radiant." I can't, you know, I couldn't eat, you know, even in a month's time, I have improved a lot. Um, I'm not wobbling anymore. I can walk in a straight line. I mean, I can't, I can't curl my toes. On command, And I can't rotate my ankle. But, I, I mean, I'm walking really well. Um. <laughs> the thing yeah. that just
1: blows my mind is how much gratitude I can just hear in your voice for being able to <laughs> walk in a straight line. Yeah. Like, yep. that's just something we all take for granted. And the situation in your life has caused you to be so grateful for the ability to not yep. wobble when you walk. Yes. Like, that's just... <laughs> That's got to be a huge, like, psychological shift from, you know, yeah, I- November 29th. I assume you had all these plans and goals and desires that you wanted to get done, and then this happens. Mm-hmm. Can you describe that psychological shift of what life is like now, um, and maybe even what your priorities are like now, and how that's changed?
2: You know, it's weird. I had a premonition before my um, procedure that, that I needed to get everything wrapped up. I just had this creepy feeling that it wasn't going to go as planned. And obviously it didn't. You know, I've had a few like you step a few steps forward and you take a couple back because Mm -hmm. the thing about stroke is that it's kind of like your brain is like a field of weeds and the things that you used to do where the ground was a straight path, now it's just this huge thing of weeds and you have to hack through it. And it's tedious and it's painful and it's tiring. But the Mm. next time you do it, it's a little bit easier, and I have to do that for everything. I, I mean, the the noise that you take for granted, that you filter out, it drains me. I mean, it's it you know my kids being active. Of course, they're frequently very noisy. Kids. Yeah,
1: yeah, kids are.
2: <laughs> and they used to.
1: You had that wonderful selective hearing before.
2: Yes. That now you that... can't
1: tune out no. some of those noises. I can imagine how that would. I mean, even I even can tune my kids out, and they drive me nuts.
2: <laughs> yeah so
0: so what does it do to the past what about old memories what about things because i know that that there's this one line that i always stop and go whenever someone says you shoulda or i shoulda and i think that's a troll voice in all of us where it's, man i should have done this
2: mm-hmm. and i
0: think that is the worst possible way to think about life like of course you should have if you know exactly what the future is going to be then you're going to do it you know what i mean like that kind of mm-hmm. thinking is just such a terrible way to go through life so we we're focusing on the past present and future but if you go backwards like did you lose memories do you remember everything
2: i remember everything
0: so you don't look back and go man my brother was a jerk before this happened (laughs) but now he's cool i
2: I remember a certain somebody i used to wear a milking dress
0: (laughs) oh yeah a couple weeks after this my sister called me and i told her i said well do you remember you used to put on this maids of milking dress from the 12 days of christmas and used to pass out gifts in the Mades milking dress milking. <laughs> and she's like i didn't used to do that and i was like yeah you did yeah. i don't know if you remember what? did she actually no no it was just a joke you were making that up you were trolling yeah. your sister i was trying to make a very serious situation real It's like bit that uh, that
1: video that's flying around the internet where the guy's sister goes and gets her wisdom teeth taken out and then they fake they They make it seem like a zombie apocalypse is happening and they freak her out.
2: (laughs) I haven't seen that.
0: Brenda's written some books on zombies, right?
2: Zombies, mermaids, vampires, not all in the same books.
0: This is crazy because like, say you play guitar and you lose your hand. Obviously you can't play guitar anymore. It's done. But like you're a writer and you have a brain injury, which is the sole instrument or the tool that you use is your brain. Yeah. And you have all the creativity comes from there. So Do you feel like as you're hacking through these weeds, do you feel like you're getting, you're going to come out the other side and be a better writer? Like you're going to get more uh, access to things that you didn't before? I don't know. It seems like, like Matt was saying, there's just this positivity. And I will say that just in the course of this whole situation, like I have seen it thousands of miles away being in Nashville, that you do come across super grateful and you do have this great attitude. And I wonder, like, do you feel more positive? You just feel happier? Even
2: I'm extremely grateful that I'm alive and that it, you know, I, my mom thought I was gone. I mean, she, I mean, hmm. she didn't probably think she didn't want to think that, you know, there was a time where they, they didn't know. And it's weird because I think people think stroke, you know, like you can't use your right leg or it depends on which side of your brain is injured. There's a great YouTube video called, Oh shoot. I can't remember the name. See, that's what I'm missing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll forgive you. Well, you don't need to remember that stuff. But it was
2: it was with a neurologist and she talked about how your left brain does one thing and your right brain does another. And one one is in and she because she was a neurologist, she could experience stroke with all of her knowledge, and she was going between both hemispheres of her brain. And one (laughs) side was talking about how you know, you're in the moment. We're all the same people. We're together. You know, it's where you feel unity and and love and all this other stuff. And then Mm. she'd go over to the other side, which was all task. And she'd be telling herself, you got to go call somebody and let them know that you aren't going to work today. And she would go look at the buttons on the phone and they were like hieroglyphic letters. Wow. And she, she was like, and, and I couldn't, Mm. Comprehend like what numbers were, and she said, I, I had to go through my cards because I knew that in my stack of cards, I had a card for my office phone. And she's like, and I was, but it took me like 45 minutes to get through a little tiny stack, like wow. this big, like an, an you know, less than an inch tall. And wow, I don't think people understand. I mean, thank goodness I wasn't affected with my speech because there was a guy in rehab who didn't talk and he's Mm. still not talking. Mm. I don't know if he can read. I don't know if he can write. Thank God God I didn't have that happen because then then I would have had to learn to speak again, Yeah, which, you know, I'm just glad it was just the physical thing, you know, just the just the walking piece. And and it's weird because I would look at my foot and I would say, move, and it wouldn't move for me. Oh.
0: And I think this is, this is something I'm learning about life is that so much of The reason we feel the way we feel is because we think we're in control of things, right? Exactly. We think, oh, I control my brain. I control my legs. I control my arms. And you realize, like, actually, it's doing its own thing for the most part. I don't even think about controlling these things. And in the moment they're kind of taken away from you, you're like, you know, most of life is out of my control. (laughs) Yeah. And how I respond to that is really, truly what makes life either worth living or miserable. Right, It's
1: almost like we're fooling ourselves most of the time when we're healthy. And then when we we have a health crisis, the veil is lifted and we actually see how fragile our bodies are and how fragile life is. And that's what I'm hearing from you, Brenda, is that you kind of see reality better than I do.
2: (laughs) You can be grateful (laughs)
1: for walking in a straight line, whereas I just take that for granted. And the reality is it's not a thing that is a given. It can be taken at any time. And uh, I'm not saying living in fear of tragedy or crisis is the way to go. I don't know. Isn't it cool that that's what it teaches you? I don't know. Like do you Yeah. do you take things from it that are positive that this this thing that's kind of uprooted your plans and your goals and your Christmas? Do you take anything good from it?
2: Actually, I got my Christmas cuz I was able to be home for oh, Christmas. Oh, great. That was a nice little yeah. gift. It was a little overwhelming. But it it yeah, I just I can't remember your question now. Oh. Do,
1: <laughs> do you do you like I don't know this is kind of like a cheesy question but do you take good things from this
2: you know i'm really lucky because my husband is extremely supportive um and he he just he does he does a lot for me and for our family and takes care of me you know if i had a a difficult home life i probably would not be so thankful attribute that to god and i attribute that because you know he's part of our family so yeah Hmm.
0: i've personally just been i've Convicted because I'm moving and I'm boxing all this stuff up and I'm putting in trailers and I'm driving it around and I'm complaining and I've been cussing a lot and I've just been pissed because <laughs> I just like, where's all this junk? And I'm just like having a moment where I'm like, well, what if someone came to me and said, in two months you're going to have this crazy stroke and you're never going to be able to see the world the same? Uh, what kind of person would I be if I knew that was coming?
1: Reprioritize your life, get the most out of it.
0: Because we think so negative about everything. And so many people are just emailing us and they're like, man, you know, I just think life sucks. But then I listen to your podcast and I'm like, what if tomorrow all these people who are emailing us couldn't walk? Mm -hmm. Then how much gratitude would you have today that you could actually type this email and send it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you might not be able to do that at some point in your life. So you should just appreciate that. And I'm just having one where I'm feeling convicted like my attitude should be so much better. sure, So much more of the time. And it's just not. But the future, looking forward, what does the future look like for you now? How do you approach it? How do you think about it? What are your plans? Do you have any plans? Do you make plans anymore, or are you just kind of winging <laughs> it?
2: <laughs> it? I do it day by day, and I celebrate my victories that I do have. You know, Grandma Helen always looks—that's our at grandma the positives. Yeah, she she always looks to the positive, and hmm. she never complains about anyone or anything. And
0: she's ninety six. Yeah, automatic no, positive thoughts.
2: She's an apt. <laughs> <laughs> apt. Well, she's Brenda very told apt. me.
0: Brenda told me you told me a couple of days ago that you've been listening to our podcast, so that's why I brought you on because I didn't know if, if you knew we were doing one. Yeah, we talk so. about we talk about
1: negativity and how it can kind of drag you down, and when you have this negative knee jerk reaction, these automatic <sighs> negative thoughts, these ants, they can they can stop you. So when you find people like your grandma. Who has mm-hmm. automatic positive thoughts you cherish that it's just like if it it's fascinating to watch yeah and that teaches you so much it's so good to have old wise folks in your life who are something to aspire to i think there's very very few these days mm. those sages left you know so that's cool that's really cool this is
0: going to play out like the the classic movie rookie of the year where you break your arm you hurt your brain but then he comes out and his arms like super strength oh, yeah. and he's, <laughs> he plays with the Cubs. Yeah.
1: And now rotate from the shoulder slowly. <rhyming but fluorescence> oh, 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 oh! 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 Funky butt loving! Did he say funky butt loving?
0: Brenda's going to go on to write the best book ever. Yeah, superhero <laughs> story. That's the hero story, right? So what is your next book?
2: Well, and I I, I want to start Somewhat small because you know writing eighty thousand words is, is a big journey mm-hmm. and it's tiring. I and that's another thing too is that when you have stroke, you you're very tired. Everything is exhausting. Your your life is like a new job because you have to think about everything. And um,
0: for those who don't know, you write like werewolves and no. vampires and yes. What what <laughs> what? No. no no not werewolves those
1: hideous beasts i don't write about them bigfoot (laughs) i write uh, about sexy
0: vampires what genre is this called it's called young adult man ya
2: paranormal romance young adult paranormal romance right
0: okay cool because everyone goes oh your band's emo and then i go no it's not no it's not It's not emo it's emotional rock there's there's better subcategories bro Yeah, so you so you're thinking about writing another vampire book, but does like the characters, like how did you used to write books? Did you just like sit down and just go for it? Did you plan it out? Did you script it all? Did you write all the characters' names and then build backgrounds? Or
2: well, I don't. Every book is different. I've evolved in my craft, but the most recent book I basically did scenes, and I had you know high points, and because I had a problem with either wrapping the end up too too quickly or. I highly recommend a book called Save the Cat, which is a a scene plotting book for people who want to write movies. Oh, wow. And then applying that to your story.
1: Wow. Tips and tricks. I like that. Save the Cat. I have not heard of that. I read On Writing. I read The War of Art. And those are all kind of writing books. But I have not heard Save the Cat. So that's cool. I'm not even a writer. I just like to read. I think it's like applicable for songwriting.
2: So Yes. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm trying to get Matt to write for the... For the website for "Don't Feed the Trolls," like do articles along with podcasts. <laughs> so he doesn't realize that he's gonna have to be a writer here soon. Cause... how many books have you sold, Brenda?
2: Um, I I haven't looked recently, but I think I've sold over two hundred thousand. What?
1: My band has not sold two hundred thousand records, so you're that's huge. I just want to compare that to my life. Now I have imposter syndrome.
2: <laughs> no. you know what? But it's... <laughs> I deal with looking at the best-selling authors and feeling jealous of them right. because it's not as easy as it was when I didn't think it was easy. It, you know a couple years ago. Right. I'm still bringing in royalties and I'm able to be at home. Well,
1: you have a fan base. You know, you have people who really care about your work, and that's got to be just thrilling.
2: Well, it's funny because I did this one thing where I. Price some stuff like at 99 cents, which was like <gasps> that means I only bring home 30 cents of royalty per book that I sell. Right. And I it was like the snowball just happened, and then I sold, you know, like I think the most I've sold in a month is like, well, 7,000 one month. But that was wow. I've never done that again, and that was a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You can talk a bit about how we as creative people try to hold on and hoard what we have. Like we try to keep safe. And sometimes the best thing is to let go and say, I'm going to give it away or I'm going to give it away for very cheap. And sometimes you're rewarded by letting go.
2: Well, my first first in my series is free. And then the next, you know, so people get the first book and read it, then they'll get the next books. Oh,
1: okay, that's smart.
2: Yeah, yeah. But but there's so many free books now, it's not. It's kind of working against us, and people who don't understand the marketing of free.
0: Well, we they, understand this very well. Oh, we do. <laughs> we put out a free podcast <laughs> weekly. <laughs> what you got to do. Get some like old movies, make it funny in 30 seconds yeah. with a new spin. Yeah.
1: and Yeah. Uh, just
0: make viral memes. That's how you do it. And then people will be emailing you going, I don't understand what you're doing. Yeah. We're like, we don't either. We're not a political <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but we're having fun. We'll enjoy it while it lasts.
2: Well, I think you both are very creative people. And I am always in awe of what you do what your brain comes up with to market your stuff. I mean, even don't feed the trolls is like a clever, you know, it's just so neat. I, and like, (laughs) Nate. I, I mean, I'm always in awe of your, like, I mean, the whole back to the future Sherwood thing. I I mean, that just blew me away (laughs) because I don't have those movie editing talents and, um, Nate's so,
1: ideas are, like, his brain just goes naturally to, like, hey, do you remember that movie? Like, oh, that reminds <laughs> me of that movie. And I know, I, like, he's, you're, like, an encyclopedia for, like, movies and pop culture stuff. references. Yeah, like, you remember all that stuff. Um, you know, you were, like, talking about yeah. Nacho Libre the other day. I'm, like, yeah, I owned that movie. I love that movie. I watched it ten times, and I maybe can quote, like, two lines from it. Like, <laughs> I just don't have it's in one ear out the other, but you like hold on to it. And then you can like reach into your little bag of tricks when there's a nice kind of mashup or pop culture reference and, and throw it together. So that's Nate's genius is just really the idea beyond even the video editing is the idea.
0: It, I think for me, the, the creative side, like I, I, I've always been pretty visual. I can remember things. I like if Matt and I have an idea, I can edit it in my head. I can see it and I can put it together but like when it came to music, I always felt like Rudy, Rudy Rudiger, <laughs> just sitting there on the sidelines, put me in coach. Like I have the desire to do music, but I don't have the natural skills or the talent. Um, I could sing, yeah, which is necessary. But then I found Dan, Dan Coke, who can just like sit on the toilet and write a song and come out and be like, here it is. And I'd be like, <laughs> damn you, Dan. <laughs> uh, damn Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so like. What I've found is when you group together with other creatives, mm-hmm. like Matt was saying, when you kind of hoard it to yourself. So I've always been in this constant business of like, okay, Dan... Don't hoard all this (laughs) skills and talents. Give them to me. I will take them and I will, I will alley-oop dunk these talents (laughs) as hard as I ever could. And and, and it's, but when you're an author and you're, you're like a one-man band, you. That's
1: a good question. What inspires you? What creative, I mean, you said you watch shows and stuff like that. Is that kind of where you draw inspiration from?
2: I don't know. I mean, and but the way I survive by myself is I I joined a group of other authors, the 10 of us, and we're called Dynamists and they really came through with my stroke and we all wrote a book together that was like a wagon wheel where we we have different paranormal creatures that come together with one common cause and then the last book was like tying in all the um, the pieces
0: Justice League it's like the it's, Justice League. It, it's, Sorry, it's uh, called, yeah, dude, comic books.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: that's okay. Uh, but but they, you know, they they were promoting that while hmm. I was um, doing whatever. So uh, while I was, re- you know, working on recovering.
0: Well, see. We're inspiring you, Brenda, because you're going to start uh, a superhero series where she she podcasts on the side <laughs> as like this <laughs> like, unknowing, yeah, with glasses at, on, and then yeah, but at night she takes she her glasses out.
1: off. At night. And she's a
0: she's That's a already author. been
2: done. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: way, really? Superman. Well, I mean, no, I know it's Superman, but I mean a podcasting girl superhero. <laughs> so, I've not heard of this.
2: No, I mean I'm just talking about the the big general. Sure, right, sure. Right.
0: There's only what, forty six stories and then they're all just kind of a variation. Right? right? Yes. See, I don't even have to prep for this podcast. I know this stuff. (laughs) I was just driving in a a moving with a trailer in the back before I got here, so I was a little frazzled coming into this, and this is going
1: smoothly. Yeah, I called Nate. I called Nate. He's in the closet. He's bumping around in the closet because he had to get a router (laughs) from his neighbor to like plug into the (laughs) internet, and he's like, he's cussing and he's red faced. yeah <laughs> oh, i was just like oh man this is per this is a perfect podcast we can talk about just being present in this moment while nate is like super stressed
0: out <laughs> well yeah you get your sister on the line she's like i'm learning how to walk in a straight line i'm just like dang it okay yeah <laughs> i take a lot My for turf. granted i guess yeah
1: uh brenda tell us a little bit about i mean if you can think about maybe what is the one thing that has changed from Brenda before to Brenda now, uh, post-stroke and not just motor skills or language skills or memory or whatever, like about the essence of Brenda, do you think that something's changed? And if so, what, what is it?
2: I think I'm more thankful. Hmm. I'm just thankful for, you know, being in the moment and, and, and having what I have. And
0: do you feel like it's funny? Cause what I was thinking about earlier is you said, you know, you were looking at the New York times bestsellers or whatever, and When you have a brain injury, you wake up and yet still that jealousy part of your brain never really dies. It's like inherent, built into us. Isn't that funny? Like you can you can forget how to walk, you can forget how to talk, but you can't forget how to not be jealous. It's just interesting that there is this part of us. We can forget how to do everything, but we can still look at somebody and go, "Ah, I want what he has." Do you You
1: have that? Do you have that where you're just jealous of other people's abilities, or how do you fight your inner troll?
2: Well, I have to say that that is a big inner troll of mine and I'm I'm still working on it. It's not solved yet. I, I don't have this like, I had a stroke and, you know,
0: <laughs> right.
2: everything's all rosy now. That That's still there. I mean, I fight that. And I, you know, and I fight it now because, you know, my money's dwindling. It's not a, you know, I still have to be producing and, and mm-hmm. even when I do produce, you know, it may not go, it may fall flat.
1: There's variables that kind of, draw us into walk by faith and hope, not by sight, right? Like we are not, we're not guaranteed anything. And I think that's the message that we can learn by watching your situation is that, you know, we're not guaranteed anything and we can be grateful in the moment for what we have mm-hmm. and not kind of constantly be longing for something else in the future. Or,
0: you know. Yeah, I was thinking about this today and you guys are creatives and maybe you'll, you can confirm this theory. But what I've seen over the last 10 years is, is sometimes the creative fairy will just bop the wand on some random creative person, whether it's a band, an author, whatever, and they just kind of blow up. Right. You look at all the content and it feels similar, but for some reason, sometimes, oh, there's this little boy band from Australia called Five Seconds of Summer, and boop, they're going to be huge, (laughs) right? Yep. Sometimes it just doesn't make any sense, and that creates a lot of jealousy for me. When I look back on Sherwood's career and why bands got big, and Why certain things blew up—it just didn't make any sense. I felt like the songwriting was pretty good, generally across the board, but they just had some little magical boop, and it—and that might be my my way of explaining it all. But I'm sure there are authors that just sell tons of books, and you're like, I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> why is it is it so much better than me? But you read their books, and you're like, I don't know. I feel like I write this stuff right. Maybe is that you're is blessed? That...
1: But maybe you're blessed to not be those authors.
2: I think success is a curse and a I'm don't know what the word curse and a blessing. It just is
1: what it is, right? Like it's not
2: and if you're not happy with who you are, if you got success, you still wouldn't be happy with who you are.
1: Absolutely. Preach it.
2: Yeah. That's that's what I'm
1: saying. Is like there's always someone bigger. Like we were talking about this in the Secret to Success episode. You know, does does Taylor Swift get off stage and think, man I wish I was as big as a and we want these things it's like the the old story of like you get three wishes and it's never what you want if the, when they're there they don't really fulfill and they don't really actually give you what you what you really want which is a sense of fulfillment and belonging and self-actualization
0: so, so often what I was doing was to impress people I didn't like sure. mm-hmm. and I think about that now and I go I didn't I wasn't doing it for me I wasn't doing it cuz I liked to do it I was just like I, these people that didn't pay attention to me or didn't think I had talent, I was trying to, like, prove to those people, like, like people in high school, for example, that, like, mm-hmm. had this thought or opinion of you. Nate, he's the class clown. He, he'll he never amount to anything. I was like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> me too, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'll prove and you and then, wrong, you jerks I hate. That's such a terrible reason to create stuff. Yeah. Tell them how they can find out about your books and such.
2: Oh, you can go to my website at brindapandos.com. And I have everything. There's.
0: And on Amazon and such?
2: And Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Kobo and Nook and or iBooks. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, iTunes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brenda. I appreciate you coming on.
2: Thanks for having me so much.
0: Have a good one. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Wow, Nate! <laughs> wow,
1: wow! Your, your sister's uh, teaching me a lot right now. That's that's unbelievable yeah. how uh, perspective can really change, and the things that she's grateful for, are things that we just absolutely take for granted. Right now, you know, just like walking in a straight line, like that's she's like sincerely happy about it.
0: I mean, from the moment I talked to her, it was like my even my brother called me and he was like, "Man, Brenda is just happy." She's very content. I don't understand. I don't and not understand to say
1: that, why like, she should no, be I angry, mean, like, right? Like, you would well, think. Yeah.
0: And, like, I think our whole family, I think we all kind of suffer from the ants naturally. Right. For a while there was like, that didn't exist. It was like, my sister was just, there was nothing negative coming out. And I was like, wow, it's great. Because I would be so negative. Yeah. You know? Perspective, like, oh,
1: man. man, perspective is really everything. It doesn't matter how much or how little you have, it's your perspective of it. And that's the thing is like, she just accepts – she's accepting her current circumstance and having a perspective mm-hmm. of every day, baby steps, try to get a little bit better. And that's just like such a great motto for life. Um, In the, in the War of Art uh, book, we reference a ton. Um, I reference a ton. I don't have you read that book? I've read it a bunch of times. <laughs> but like you, <laughs> you have not. But Stephen Pressfield, the guy who wrote this book, talks about – how uh, science has studied the mental shift that happens in terminally ill patients at diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So so they basically go into the meeting and they have a whole s- different set of priorities. And then when they are diagnosed terminally ill, that list of priorities changes dramatically. Psychological change happens. And they call that, psychologists call it, or at least Stephen Pressfield uh, says it in his book, it's the shift from ego, which is kind of our tiny little bubble of desires yeah. and goals and plans and things that we're doing, these task-oriented ego, to the much broader self, which wow. is the the part that really sees what matters. And so they, they've studied the shift in um, uh, in in patients, at diagnosis, and suddenly the things that they walked in thinking they were going to do tomorrow don't matter at all. And the things that um, that exist in the self, like family, friends, love, relationships, mm. these things come to the forefront. So now gardening, now now certain tasks that they had renovating the kitchen, um, you know, don't matter. Don't matter. It just does yeah. not matter. In what, I know, I was feeling that what's today. what's changed other than their perspective? It's literally the only thing that's changed.
0: So it's but, almost like you have to write yourself a terminally ill person, no, yeah. you know, like... You have three and, months and, to
1: live. <laughs> what yeah, are you going to do with that? Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah.
0: It's funny because I remember being in fourth grade and there was this movie that my sister... This is really weird how this is all coming back, called Short Time. Huh. And it was a dark comedy... And I didn't understand dark comedies at the time because I was young. You're like, this isn't about funny. A, <laughs> about a guy goes in and he gets he gets this, he gets a terminally ill sentence hmm. um, from his doctor. But it was messed up. It was someone else's. Oh. And, it, and it got given to him on his clipboard. And so he thought he was going to die. And then meanwhile, they show the guy that is dying. And he's this bus driver driving this bus off a cliff or something crazy. It was just, it was just supposed to be funny. But I remember being so young. And I remember honestly having an anxiety attack about this movie. I remember feeling like, "What if I did die? What if? Right. What, what if? What if this is it?" And I remember being way too young to be experiencing all these feelings. Right. But I remember—I remember it was Christmas break, and I had this breakdown. And my family was like, "What's wrong?" And I had my first anxiety attack, and I didn't know what it was. Um, and it was—it's this feeling like you're gonna die. I don't know if you if have you ever had an anxiety attack. <sighs> I mean, honestly, the
1: closest I've gotten is when I smoked weed and got super paranoid. So I I can only <laughs> relate in that in that way.
0: This is more like a feeling of like I'm going to die right right now, hmm. and it just doesn't go away. It's dread. So you you can't be around anybody. You're almost just like sitting there, just like going, go away please just you're just in your head it was after we did four months of touring with reliant k i came home and i hadn't really slept in four months and i went to bed and then i would wake up an hour later like wide awake and then you would get this hit of adrenaline and then you would get this hit of anxiety and i would just be like nothing i could do to make it go away i went to the doctor three or four times try to figure it out but i learned a lot of things in that moment
1: Hmm.
0: it started when i was younger and then it kind of triggered later on in life, right? But it was a lot of these thoughts, like, "Am I going to die? Right. Do I have a terminally ill <laughs> sentence?" Almost, right? And so you
1: would say that you naturally kind of trend towards the more anxious kind of posture to life, like where you're thinking about the future yeah. in like a, a negative way, like, "Oh my gosh!" So you live there, and and it kind of freezes
0: you. I, or you could describe I, from it a, better than me, probably. But. From a young age, I just I, I thought too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe it's all the processed frosted flakes we were eating or something. I can't tell you, but
1: <laughs> it's always food related. You fight <laughs> these trolls in the kitchen, folks. <laughs> <Nate will tell laughs> no, but you, I mean, take your
0: probiotics. We just grew up eating all this crappy no, processed shit, yeah. you know, and like it can't help you mentally but
1: there's a lot of chemical stuff and there's you know obviously i don't want to downplay people have naturally natural imbalances in their brains. sure but what we're saying is that for for normal regular everyday non-chemically imbalanced people we struggle i struggle with thinking about the future i struggle with thinking about the past and i struggle with missing out in the present moment as i'm walking from my studio to the house to go to the bathroom or i'm thinking about some call i have to have because i've got fourteen thousand things going on in my life and my kids are playing in the backyard and they're running around and they they see me and they go daddy come play tag i can make a choice in that moment to go no my call in 20 minutes is more important than playing playing with you for five minutes yeah or i can take the five minutes it takes to just be present with my kids,
0: or you can think you're terminally ill and you have three more weeks.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Like if I was terminally ill, I would take the time to play with my kids. So why not? It's live funny. Like, it's almost why like why not live like that now? And I always find it my my work life is actually better. People people who are really into mm. like contemplative practices, mindfulness, meditation, will say that if you actually take the ten minutes or twenty minutes out of the day to do it, you are so much more productive. If you practice presence, being present, being grateful, yeah. and enjoying the moment, your work moments, your task-oriented part of your brain will function at a higher level. But we just don't. We have this scarcity. We, I don't have time. I don't have time to be present. I don't have time to think Yeah. Um, I don't about have time to, yeah, it, the things I'm grateful for.
0: You know, just to bring this back to movies, because that was a funny part of this episode. You know, the movie would be like, I see dead trolls. <laughs> I see. And you have to you have to go help the dead trolls figure out why they died so they can move on. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and then the future trolls come to you from the, in, in a time machine, and they're like, "Dude, your kids are screwed up. Yeah, you're, you're, you
1: screwed your kids yeah. up. In f- those frosted flakes. Those frosted flakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's like." Here we are battling the internal moment of trolls that are present, not right. even realizing the dead trolls are rising up and they're walking through the walls like, "Help me and they have an axe hanging out of their head and they're like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh. you know like there are, there's all these ways we can be stressed right. And we can be we can be angry and we can be trolled. And we don't even realize that some of them are creeping right. out of college high school. Elementary school. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I remember moving from, um, when I moved from Canada to the US and I, uh, I moved in sixth grade. So this is just at the start of middle school. I remember f- having this sense of crippling nostalgia in my bed, mm. just longing for my old friends. And we weren't even that close. Man. I mean, I was in fifth grade. Like, how close can you be? Just, just comfortable. Just, just longing for that comfort and longing for these people and feeling these deep emotions and just feeling like, crippled like like i couldn't fit in i couldn't relate and i was not living you know honestly that's the closest i can get to it my, my wife is more she has like waves of crippling nostalgia like you know every six months or so and she's like i'm feeling really nostalgic for yeah. weird reasons and that's a symptom of depression it's a symptom of living in the past essentially and your brain's tendency to go towards that when the present when when the present is not as acceptable
0: and you might feel like, as a listener to this podcast, like, man, these guys, you know, they're they are saying some things that are helping me because we've been getting the emails. But this podcast started as like a debate podcast, and has moved into how the past control you, the right. future control you, the present, each breath you take, each moment is a gift, and then does not allow the trolls to have a voice. Right. Sort of this inspiration to ourselves to be present. So I want
1: to challenge our listeners, sit quietly, breathe deeply, And think about five things you're thankful for right now or every morning. I mean, I think just that stance alone of going into yourself and being grateful will greatly improve your ability to be present, to not be stressed out, to not be depressed and um, have regret and worry. Uh, So shoot us an email. If you've liked this episode or any of our episodes, shoot us an email at don'temailthetrolls.com. Uh don't email the trolls at gmail.com or fill out a contact form on our website, which is trollspodcast.com. If you like this podcast, we put it together every week. Um would you consider supporting us monthly on Patreon? That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash don't feed the trolls. Uh we would greatly appreciate your support. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks so much, guys.
1: Bye-bye.